Oh, what what did I just push? Hold on. I just pushed the wrong thing. Lisa broke it. Broke it. Can you come in, Kelly, and fix it? Kelly, oh, there we go. There it is. Okay, I got just it. Hit it. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to The Debrief. Super excited today to have Lisa Bevere in the house as our guest. Hey, I'm thrilled to be on Debrief. Yes. Okay, so I told you I was going to start with a surprise question, and you have no idea what this is, but I'm dying to know because you fly a lot. Yes. I hate flying. The Bible says, lo, I am with you. <laughs> right? I've heard that. Okay, so my most terrifying experience is flying into Denver landing and i'll tell you about that in a second but what's been your most frightening experience because i've actually flown with you and you're a champ yeah <laughs> so you were sitting in front of me and so i watched you and you were like you you don't you don't even flinch so w have you ever had a scary experience on an airplane yes okay what happened one time we were flying and all of a sudden one of the like engines backfired and the whole plane pivoted to the no right way. yes yes and i actually just started texting everybody like i love you i am so proud i got to be your mom i oh, love no. my husband i stayed super calm because i did people were screaming wow but i was like i'm not gonna bother anybody because if they need to solve something i'm not going to have them take away from that to explain what's going on and they just explained to me that one of the engines had like backfired or something i don't know what it and but we were able to land we did not land where we were supposed to land we ended up yeah. land somewhere else and uh, yeah that was kind of the scary. plane pivoted yeah the whole we were going and we heard a loud noise and the whole plane went like this because one of the yeah. engines did something crazy okay see if that happens i'm punching the person next to me <laughs> and it was late at night. So yeah, I was uh, kind of like asleep, like what just happened? But mm -hmm. people started screaming do you ever and see, praying. Do you remember the movie Airplane when no. they're going down? You never uh, saw that? I don't and know they're if slapping I did. the nun. Everybody's <laughs> no, in line. No. To <laughs> no, I did not see that. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. like, relax, psh, relax. Psh. <laughs> I oh missed my that gosh. one. Yeah, oh my gosh. So we were flying into Denver and it was in June and it's notorious for those summer storms. And it was literally beautiful, epically beautiful outside. And then all of a sudden, out the right window, it was black. Yeah. And we just got hit as we were, we were probably at about 4,000 feet. So we're descending and we just got hit by swirling wind. And the whole plane like pivoted left and we went like up. And so my old assistant, Tim's just like, I could tell, like, and I thought we were dying. And the, <laughs> like everyone screamed and we went left. And then like the plane, I felt like the plane turned into a cat. Like it, I don't know what the wings did, but we were like, and we're just shaking. And uh, I don't know what we landed, but we were the last plane that was allowed to land. And then they shut, they shut the uh, runway down. And I was speaking at Compassion. And I told them, I'm never coming again. And so, like, it was literally terrifying. But we, and when we landed, there was hail. It yeah. hailed and rain. It was June, like, like 10th. No, uh, Denver, at, we have crazy weather. Yeah. There's only one month on record in Colorado Springs without a blizzard, and that's called July. I mean, that's the only wow. month. I've seen snow mid-June. I've seen snow in August. Yeah. It's, I, I think Why'd I live you move there. there. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I have sin in my life. Yeah. I um, We moved there for our boys. Okay. So John and I were living in Orlando, and mm -hmm. we said, this is not a real world. Mm -hmm. We we can live anywhere. And what happens, we took our boys to Colorado for, we were speaking somewhere, and when they were flying home, they were drawing pictures of themselves in the mountains. And uh -oh. my oldest son said, my dream. Uh. And we just looked at each other and we said, you know, hmm. we, need to, we need to move to Colorado. We hmm. need to be part of a healthy, vibrant local church. 
and we can live in the center of the country and travel. So yeah, yeah. that's why we did it. But then they don't get to wrestle alligators. No, and I'm okay with that. Right. Yeah, they wrestle sharks. Have you mm. seen some of the pictures yeah. of what my mm-hmm. boys do? They catch yeah. sharks at night, sit on them, and then put them back in the water. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. This is this is my fault. This is yeah. not John's fault. <laughs> John would never be that stupid. Have you ever looked on the internet? It's a page called Today in Florida. No, I haven't. It's the, literally the the best, weirdest, the most bizarre stories, and it's just today in Florida. And you can actually Google your birthday to see what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened. I'm doing this on after your birthday our in Florida. So, and I know uh, John's birthday is tomorrow. It is June second, so he'll be sixty. Yep. Okay, so I'll it's be forty. It's a big deal. It's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. twelve away. Yeah. Well, you know, yesterday I think I read something in Florida where an alligator broke into yes. somebody's house. Yes, eleven foot alligator yes, came in through the window. That. I saw that. Yeah. I was like, okay. So it was on today in Florida. Florida. I was going to text my husband and say, this is why I'm glad we live in Colorado. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. I don't like big snakes. I don't like alligators. So, well, happy birthday to John. Super thankful. And if he listens to this, I shared this with you last night at the uh, Cultivate Conference, but uh, John was instrumental in changing um, my life and, and Tammy and I's life and our church's life. So we were going through a real tough season in our church. Uh, my brother and I, we'd worked together for about 10 years and it just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not his fault, my fault. It's just little brother, big brother. Which that, one are you? I'm the big brother okay. and I was the boss and it just it just didn't work out. And so my brother just, he's a great leader, needed to go be his own pastor, but we were working that out. And we went and we heard John speak and he spoke on honor, mm. the principle of honor. What a great sermon title for two brothers trying to figure this out. And we were in Hawaii together. It was actually my brother, uh, Tammy and I, we were there in Hawaii and John spoke on honor and God really spoke to me just about, okay, I need to be, a, I need to be better at honoring. And I went home that night and you heard the story, but I said, I need to talk to you in the bedroom. She's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? So we go in the bedroom. I have her sit on the bed. I get on my knees and I say, I need to ask for your forgiveness. And she's like, what for? I said, I need to do a better job of honoring you. Mm. And um, and so then we came home and I, I we did a whole series on honor in our church. Honor became one of the core values of Sandals Church. And we try to honor uh, that which God has placed in authority. We try to honor one another. We honor those who are above us and those who are below us and those who are beside mm-hmm. us. And um, it's just been a really, really healing thing for our church. And I'm super, super excited and thankful. So, John, if you listen to this, we love you. I'll, I'm going to make him listen okay, to it yeah, now. Yeah. Your yes. impact has been huge on us and uh, super thankful. Uh, that was actually in Hawaii. You, you, he was speaking for Wayne, mm-hmm. which I haven't talked to Wayne. Have you guys talked with him? No, but I actually... Uh, was on my way here met two of his pastors yeah you know he's battling cancer did you know that i did not yeah he's battling cancer i sent him a text he didn't respond but okay um we had a pastor friend in the california area that was Mm -hmm. battling cancer and we actually connected him with another friend of ours and he beat he beat it yeah doing natural stuff so i'm glad you told me that we're gonna yeah so i haven't heard from him but you know he lives i think most time now in oregon i did not know that okay Mm -hmm. wow yeah, so we love Wayne, we love John, we're very, very thankful. So, um, we're in the book of Galatians, uh, and we're going to get to that, but let's um, start off with some questions. So, these are easy ones, these are some softballs before I hammer you with the theology of Galatians. Oh this God. is going to be so good. And don't be nervous, Mark Driscoll was in here before you, so just don't, oh, don't worry oh, about Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I feel I feel. He doesn't have yeah. an opinion at all. No. Yeah. No. Okay. So singles, this is for singles. Any advice for the single woman who is frustrated with God's timing? I think we kind of talked about this last night, yeah. but what, what, what do you think about that? Well, first and foremost, I mean, God 
always seems later than he's supposed yeah. to be. But that's because people don't like the process. Mm-hmm. And God is always doing something even when it seems like he's doing nothing. And so I have learned that if I feel like it's too long, it's because he's doing something in me. Right. And sometimes people have set up marriage in a place they shouldn't set it up as. It's yeah. an idol in their life. Once I'm married, then everything's going to be perfect. Well, that's what happened to Tammy when she got yeah. married to me. She was like, was, my life is yeah. now perfect. Yeah, I was like yeah. walking with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you can't see Tammy's in the room. Mary, Mary yes. perfects us. Yes. It is not perfect. Oh, it man. is the thing that is yeah. our instrument of transformation. Yeah. And I do think I do think that our culture has set up some stuff that is unrealistic. And mm-hmm. so I do think people are like, God, why are you withholding marriage to me? I could be complete if I was married. And that's not true. Yeah. So, you know, I love my husband. I've been married for 37 years, 37 mm-hmm. years. But if he was to die... I would probably never get married again. Oh wow! Not because not 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 if always married to John, but it's work. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot of work, yeah. and you know you have to become one. Mm-hmm. And I I just don't know if people understand the kind of work they see things on movies and they think it's going to be, but you you only see the beginning of the marriage. You never get to see the process. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, great marriages uh, exist on the death of two individuals, and people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say to the ladies is, you know, Tammy and I had a good friend at Sandals. Gosh, she'd been with us 15 years, single, frustrated, you know, never dated seriously at all. Guys would never take her seriously at all. And finally, I'll never forget the day she came over and she said, what aren't people telling me? Mm-hmm. That's an important question, yeah, and, but you and have so, to be ready to hear the yeah, answer. Yeah, and I, that's what I said. I said, I love you. Are you? Do you really want me to answer this? Because I don't believe in giving advice to people who don't want it. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? That's what the, the whole book of Proverbs is. Don't give advice to fools. Like, just walk they're away. Gonna, they're going to yeah. stab you with yeah, it later. I, yeah. So, and she just, with tears in her eyes, she said, I really want to know. And I said, okay. Sorry, I'm trying not to sneeze. I said, here's, ooh, I'm Okay. Wow, sorry, you guys all got to hear me snort. Um, I said, here's three things that I think you need to work on. And she cried, we hugged, we prayed. She was married a year later. Yeah, we have- And and it wasn't like, you know, go get sexy or get a, you know, uh, what do you call it? Fixed, uh, what do you call it? When they, it it wasn't plastic surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a young girl who worked with us and she is absolutely magnificent. Mm Mm-hmm. And she just really felt like God said, this is my season for you to be with me. Mm-hmm. And she just dove into that. Actually, you know, she dove so deep into that that she was having a hard time coming out of mm-hmm. it. And we did this course called Renew. And we said to her, we want you to share about what it means to renew your mind. Mm-hmm. And so she was on this course. And while she's on this course, this young minister guy in Australia happens to see her, falls like in love with yeah. her contacts her, she will have nothing to do with them. He called her the Ice Princess of Messenger International. She was like, I am complete in God. I don't want you. I don't need you. He comes to LA for something, and now she's in Colorado Springs with us, and her sister goes into a coffee shop, starts talking to him, and thinks, this guy would be perfect for Mm. my sister. Takes a picture with him, sends her, and says, hey, I met this guy. I think you should meet him. And it was the same guy. Oh, wow. and, and like, he didn't know. I mean, it was crazy. So he comes to her and he said, I'm going to pursue you as a friend first before I ever pursue you romantically. And it was the most amazing mm-hmm. courtship short, yeah. you know, because he, he was not messing. And they got, they're getting married today. Oh, yeah. That's so exciting. Jessica and, and they're just, 
they're going to go do amazing things for God down yeah, in Australia. One of my friends, um, we just we just talked, and it, you know, he there was this guy in their church that just wanted to marry his daughter, and his daughter just wasn't having it. This guy, listen to me, singles. He fasted and prayed one week every year for five years. What? Just literally for this girl. So it was my friend's daughter, five years. And she's like, nope, not interested. Nope, not interested. And listen to this. She came to her dad and she said, dad, what do I do with this guy? He won't go away. And he said, have you fasted and prayed about it? Wow. And she said, no. She said, like I, me, I, he might say, I have to do it. Yeah. I'm not going to fast and, and pray. And so she did. And they just got engaged Aww. and they're getting married in September. And um, so, you know, I have two girls. And so we were talking about this guy and, and uh, my friend said, well, how are you going to help to support my, my daughter? And he said, I've been saving for five years. This 22-year-old kid saved $100,000. And I told him, I said, well, if it doesn't work out, I have two daughters saving my <laughs> way. <laughs> I go, Tammy and I will fast and pray that he comes our direction. Um, um, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, right? And I think that this is a young man. And, and that's part of the problem is, you know, you said in your talk, and I loved it, and we'll get into this when we get into Galatians. But when we when we when we tell our men not to be men and women are them, then they become boys. And that's one of the things that women are facing is boys don't want to commit. Now they want to have sex, they want to have right. fun, yep. but they don't want to commit. And that's just again, that's what's so tragic. And we'll talk about the feminist movement. It's one you know, there's some positive sides to the feminist movement and there's some real negative sides. And the negative is we have a bunch of boys yeah. that don't that, that don't want to stay, that don't want to be the dad, that don't want to be committed. They're children. Yeah. And and that's a real, real problem, uh, especially for women, because then they'll end up having sex with a guy, then they have a kid with a guy, and he's not helping, he's not in the kid's life, and so the whole process is... And women will keep rising. Yes. Like, if the man is absent, she'll keep rising, because she'll want to meet that need. Yeah. And then the man will keep feeling, you know, unnecessary. You know, it's interesting to me, when I married John... Mm-hmm. Um, what year did you guys get married? We got married in 1982. I okay. got saved in 1981. We mm-hmm. got married in 82. We're all about quick engagements and, mm-hmm. yeah, and oh, getting I agree. married. And that transformation started. But I remember, Matt, that it really bothered me. I felt like John acted like a little boy. Hmm. And the more he acted like a little boy, the more I acted like a mom. And the yeah. more I acted like a mom, the more he acted like a little boy. Yeah. So we had this horrible cycle going on. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was in this shower. I was working full-time. John was working part-time. And my shoulders were like attached to my ears. I was so stressed out. I was making the most money. And I heard the Spirit of God say to me, you don't think John is a very good head of the household, do you? Hmm. And I said, I know he's not. And he <laughs> said, you think you can do it better. Ooh. And I said, I know I can do it better. And again, this is in my brain. And then I heard, I made you the head of the household. He said, it's a yoke to you, hmm. but it's a mantle to John. Hmm. Throw it off. And Whoa. I said, if I throw it off, nothing's going to get done. And he said, John likes you doing everything. Hmm. And I said, he doesn't even take out the trash. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, have you ever had the Holy Spirit replay scenes oh, yeah. that you thought we were so funny in, and hmm. you find out you're demeaning yeah. and dis- Oh my gosh, man, I saw myself with my husband. He would come to me for advice, and he would say, do you think I should do A or B? And I'd be like, you need to do A. You need to do A. There's nothing but A. And then John would be like, yeah. I think I'll do B. 
And then it'd be a nightmare. And what mm. would I do? I'd follow him around and I would say, you know, I told you not to do this. You mm. know. And I thought he would just bow down and worship and say, you alone are wise and wonderful. I'm going to draw from the wellspring of your wisdom, Lisa. But that's not what he did. He pulled away from me mm. because men need to be respected. Yeah. And I was exalting my need to be needed and valued above his right to be respected. Mm. And I remember that night, I came running out of the shower and I was just crying and it was wrapped in a towel. My husband's like, what's coming? What's coming at me? And I said, I am so sorry. Uh. I said, I thought submission meant when I agreed with you, Oof. I did it. And I said. <laughs> yeah, that's a called agreement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I said, I will quit my job tomorrow. I will get behind you and believe in you. I just want to be one again. Mm. And John looked at me and he said, I don't think you need to quit your job but I do think you need to quit thinking you're the source. Hmm. And that day, everything changed for me. And and it was crazy. I watched my husband go from a boy to a man when I went from being his mother and started to be his wife. Yeah. And a woman actually knows how to pull a man out. Mm -hmm. She just does it differently than a mother does. It, yeah. it was, was, it was life-changing for our marriage, for our family, for everything. Hmm. Yeah, oh man, that was so good. Okay, so... We're, we've challenged our church, and, and you know, some most of the people in our church are new Christians, never been to church. Uh, most of them, they don't know, they, you know, they don't know what Galatians is. They don't know how to spell it. They don't know where it is. For many of them, this is the first time in their life they've ever studied a book, and so I. Mm -hmm. and, and most of our people have never memorized a verse. So, I'm, so these are baby Christians, which is why the book of Galatians is so perfect because mm -hmm. they were babies. And Paul is writing to them, but Galatians two twenty. He says, for I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How has that verse affected your life? And, and what changed for you when you became a Christian? Because you had a radical conversion, a yeah. radical change. What, what changed for you when you became crucified with Christ? And, and just kind of, you know, as much as you want to touch on Galatians 2.20, but just kind of share your story. Well, first of all, I had never heard the gospel. I, that's just crazy to think that I was raised and really didn't hear the gospel. Mm. And I heard things around it, but mm. I had never heard that Jesus had died for my sins and that He loved me. Mm. I'd never heard this. And so, when I was 21 years of age, I went to a Bible study picnic because I wanted free food. Right. That was really the only reason I went. And it was really awkward because afterwards yeah. they're all in a circle singing songs and some of the people had their hands in the air. And I was like, do you have a question? Yeah. Like, why are your hands up in the yeah. air? I'm in college. And so it was awkward. So I decided to look at the song sheet and there was a song called Robes of Righteousness. Mm. And I'm reading the words and it said that when God would look at me, he would no longer see me. He would see Jesus. Mm -hmm. That was like, wait a minute. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, hmm. I can't look at you. Hmm. You are covered in sin. You hmm. are covered in shame. You need a covering. And it just overwhelmed me, but I didn't know. So that night, I went walking on Purdue's campus with John, and he preached the gospel for me, basically, from Genesis to the book of Revelations. And I interrupted him, and I said, I don't know what to do. Like, hmm. how do I become a Christian? And he said, well, you confess your sins. And I'm like, I don't remember them all. And he's like, no, you just confess that you're a sinner. I'm like, I can totally say that. Yeah. I had a revelation that I had no righteousness mm. whatsoever. And he explained to me about being born again mm -hmm. and asking the Holy Spirit to come active in my life so that the scripture was, would no longer just be letter, but they would be alive. Right. And so I prayed to get born again. And this 
became who I was. I was no longer my past. I was no longer uh, so-and-so's daughter. I was in Christ, and I had a revelation that His righteousness was now my righteousness, and Mm -hmm. His authority and His positional relationship with God that... I wasn't just tolerated, but I was loved. Mm-hmm. And it was it changed everything for me. And, you know, I wasn't raised I could read the Bible. Mm. I went back to my dorm that night, and I spent about an hour and a half looking for the book of Paul, mm. because John had said, Paul said this, yeah. and Paul oh, said, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I had a way Bible, I'm standing on its spine, please open to the book of Paul. And it opened up Corinthians, where it says, yeah. if any man be in Christ, they are a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away, and everything has become new. That is what this verse means to yeah. me. Oh, everything, yes. everything is new. Yeah, and so I just want to encourage again. You know, have your kids memorize this verse, know mm-hmm. this verse. This is the gospel. This is what it means to follow Christ. And you know, the false gospel today is different than the false gospel Paul was dealing with in Galatians. So in Galatians, it was you have to be Jewish to follow Jesus. Yeah. The false gospel today is nothing has to change in me at all. And, and, and God loves me exactly where I am, and I can stay right where I am. And what Paul's saying here is, no, we, we die and we live for Jesus who died for us. And that's uncomfortable, And but that's the gospel. And that's what sets us free. And the church has to proclaim the gospel. You know, I was, I, I told you last night I was going to interview you, and I, I literally was going to give an invitation um, when I came up to ask you a question. So the Holy Spirit led you to do the same thing. But what I feel like with women is women feel so much shame. And so what the world says is you shouldn't feel shame. What, what, what the gospel says is we all feel shame. What are you yeah. going to do with it? And yeah. what we do as Christians is we bring it to the cross. Right. And, you know, Tammy and I... shame is not always a bad thing. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you know, we don't, we shouldn't live in shame. No, yeah. But there are things that we do that are shameful. Yes. Yeah. And when we recognize that... We go to God and He releases it, but we confess and we renounce it. Yeah. We don't call our shame something that's it yeah. is not. No, I agree. Yeah. Tammy and I, we did counseling. Um, oh man, about three years ago, we spent ten grand for three days for couples oh counseling. Gosh. No, I'm kidding you. It was it was a lot of money, and I, I joke with our church all the time. I was like, okay, we need to stay focused on Tammy because she's the problem. <laughs> and uh, and and the whole time, these two counselors, we were in Louisville, Kentucky. They just kept asking me questions. I'm like, don't get distracted. Stay focused on Tammy. That's why we're here. And um, so, and then all of a sudden, man, they just they just got me, and the Holy Spirit got me, and I and I broke, and and I crushed, and and it was just dealing with all this shame in my life, and this hurt, and this pain. And I'll never forget what the one counselor said: is only Jesus mm. can handle our shame, mm-hmm. and we must bring it to the cross. Yeah. We we must bring it to the cross, and that's what I feel like for so many so much women. I mean, the truth is. You, you, you're not enough. You can't do enough. I mean, like the world's like, I got to do all these things. And now we got Pinterest and we got Instagram that's that's creating this false world of perfection. Yeah. And, and people are actually saying, I'm enough. I'm like, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not enough. In yeah. Christ, I'm enough. Yes. Amen. But yeah. I'm not enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I want to write a book someday called 10 Stupid Things Christians Say. And one of them is, God will never give you more than you can handle. And I'm like, life is more than I can handle. That's why God handled me on the cross. And it's like, bring it. But anyways, you did that. And I thought you did such a great job. And people don't get it. And I think it's one of the reasons that we don't share our faith. We don't invite our friends to church is because we, we've forgotten the gospel. Um, we, we've forgotten and it's been, it's been clouded by other things. You know, Tammy and I, uh, Tammy loves white roses. And we, I don't know, we have probably 300 roses or uh, plants around our house, but they've been infected with uh, red roses because the bees. So our next door neighbors planted red roses. And so they, they go- They cross pollinate. They cross pollinate. So now we have pink 
white polka dotted roses. It's terrible. And Tammy's like, what are we going to do? And I feel like that's what happens in the churches. This pure gospel gets pollinated with our culture, our friends, our thoughts. And then before you know it, it's not what it was at all. Yeah. And, um, we just we just need to get come back to the gospel, and that's why Galatians two twenty again is so important. All right, first question for you, um, theological question. Paul says um, there is this is uh, Galatians three twenty eight. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, and that's the part I really want you to talk about. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds, um, seed and heirs according to the promise. Yeah, what does that I, verse mean for you? Well, it means that my gender is not a hindrance right. or a benefit. Okay. It means that I am in Christ. And, you know, it's very interesting. Abraham's seed is is singular. So, it's talking about Jesus. And so, in Christ, we all become heirs according to the promise. And I think a lot of times people think that gender doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But God loves gender. Yes. God thinks that male and female are this amazing expression of who He is. Yeah. He's like, I, I'm going to make male and female in my image, after my heart, after my likeness. Right. And so, when we say, oh, there's not Jew, well, Paul, he yeah. just said, hey, I am a Jew, but right. that's not what got me salvation. So, like you're talking about the Galatians where like, okay, now you have to be circumcised, you have to be, yeah. practice the law, then you can get saved. Well, that's works of the flesh. So, yeah. we can't do that. So, yeah, so God loves male and female. Mm-hmm. He he thinks they're unique expressions of himself to this earth. So, I don't like it when we say, oh, you know, male and female, it just, you know, we are interchangeable. Right. We're not. Yeah. We're not. We're uniquely gifted by God mm-hmm. to bring expression of Jesus to this right. earth. And so, I, yeah, I don't, I don't buy into that. It's, this is entrance into the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a difference between entrance into the body of Christ and how I function in my marriage. Right. You know, yeah. I don't look at John and say there's neither male nor female. I'm the male now, you're the female tomorrow. That that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's talking about the value or the devaluing. Both right. of those, it's all our value is in Christ. Okay. So let's go theological, then let's go practical. So theological, right, the argument is egalitarian. So yeah. the same, no difference. The other side of the coin, and I'm not a, I'm not familiar with any other argument complementarian, complementarian. Mm-hmm. and so that we are different but we complement each other where where is a as a as a prominent female speaker i mean you're one of the most well-known female christian speakers uh, around where, where do you fall in that argument do you feel like you get pulled into that um h- how have you figured out what it is that you believe about that so i tend to not like labels right and maybe that's because i found out i'm at enneagram eight so i'm rebelling <laughs> but um i don't fall completely in complementarian or egalitarian okay. i don't believe that men and women are interchangeable okay i believe they're equal in value different roles okay whereas i believe that the church needs the voice of women they yes. need women who act like women they right. need the voice of a mother and they need men who act like men and mm-hmm. the voice of a father. And just like a healthy household is usually best when it has both a mother and a father, that's, I think, how God set up the church to be. So, the father says, okay, here's here's this command. This is what we're doing. And now the mom's like, okay, you heard. Now we're going to honor this. This is how we're going to unpack it. So, like when my boys were little, my husband, my husband is very good at giving rules. Yeah. And then my boys would be like, okay, what does that mean? So, my husband would say, no secular music. We will not do secular yeah. music in this house. And so, I'd sit down with my boys and I'd say, all right, what your dad is saying is we're not going to have music in this house that dishonors God, 
Mm-hmm. Dishonors male, dishonors female, yeah. dishonors marriage, dishonors sex, dishonors government. We are not doing anything. So if you have music that's quote not Christian and it yeah. honors all those things, then we can do this. And okay. my boys are like, all right. So I had the heart of my husband, but I was able to dissimulate it to my children in a mm. way that honors. So yeah, I I really feel like the egalitarian misses it because it doesn't celebrate the genders. Right. And I think God celebrates the genders. And I think the complementarian misses it in the fact that it actually doesn't give women enough hmm. voice and contribution. Yeah, oh, man. I think I think you and I agree on, on a lot of things. Um, I love the fact that you're an eight on the Enneagram. Uh, we love eights at Sandals Church, especially women who are eights. And I think that it's just really, really important. How has... Um, being such a dominant personality, uh, how how has that been a challenge for you in your marriage? Because you, I mean, you you have opinions. You are very clear. I mean, I I, I was listening to you talk. I was like, she's braver than I ever thought about being, <laughs> or more foolish. I don't know. Yeah, but I was it like, could wow. be. It could be both. Yeah. Well, John has opinions too. Okay. Yeah. John is super strong. Yeah. So John's an alpha male. So it's it's actually it's it's actually kind of funny. So if John's around. Um, I tend to shrink a little bit, not because I think I can't have a voice. I actually know I don't need to. Right. But you know, when he, when my he was gone so much, I had to be pretty strong with my boys, and you know, I'm strong on my convictions. Yeah. Uh, you know, I said it to yesterday to Tammy. I said I'm a kite without a tail. Yeah. I have a strong seven wing. So if I do not have the word of God. I'm going to be like everybody. Everything is great. Every and and that's not truth. So we have to figure out how to do truth. But having opinions that are strong is not wrong. Doing them, presenting them incorrectly, is what becomes right. a challenge. And so God had to say to me, Lisa, if you want to be heard, say it the way you'd want to hear it. Right. Don't yell. Don't threaten. Just be calm. Be direct. Uh, appeal to your husband. John loves to, like, our, our favorite thing is this. Like, right, we're right. going to do this. This isn't going to mm. be like, oh, that shop talk. We're going to talk about the Word of God. What does this say to you? Mm-hmm. What does this mean to you? So, we have those kind of conversations where I want to be heard, he wants to be heard, and we actually know that both of us are going to bring a part to it. So, yeah, I've had a husband that's always encouraged me to be part of conversations, but he has always said, I'm going to hear you better if you're respectful. Hmm. He said, I don't like you threatening me or threatening my position, and right. it's not necessary. Right. He said, I love you. I want you in yeah. my world. And, you know, I think a lot of times when women feel like they haven't had a voice, they overreact with people who actually are wanting to hear them. Right. And they can get combative. So, I think when the Bible says she opens her mouth with wisdom and kindness, that is our parameters. And I think men should be wise and kind. Right, there's I nothing agree. there's nothing wrong with being wise and kind and it's not uniquely feminine, but I think it needs to be the approach of is this going to be helpful? Is this going to be something that's going to lift and build up other people? So yeah, John and I both have very strong opinions and we feel like our opinions are rooted in the word of God. Yeah. And so that's not been, just that's been a guide for you is the word of God. Absolutely. Okay. Which is concerning to me because I feel like we have right now a generation that just has opinions from what they read on Twitter or opinions yeah. on what they read on an article or a blog. And they have no anchor. It used to be opinions were formed by convictions and convictions were formed from scripture. Right. Now people just have opinions. Mm. You know, somebody I like said this, so it must 
it's now my opinion. Yeah, no. And it's very, very, very dangerous. And so I feel like, you know, that my parameter is strong convictions, gentle opinions, because there are things I believe 10 years ago that I don't believe now. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So. And what changed that? Um, some of my experience, some of it was diving into the Word of God a little bit deeper and finding things. Hmm. You know, so for me, Matt, I actually don't like conflict. Hmm. Really? I, oh. Yes. I will have conflict if it actually brings resolution for somebody else. Hmm. Um, I was telling Tammy, it was really embarrassing, but our team did this kind of like leadership thing. I tested the highest in aggression, hmm. which was horrifying to me. John was like two people down from me. Oh, wow. But I also tested highest in nurture. Hmm. And so the guy said, you're a fight for. So I'm a fight for. I'll fight hmm. for other people. If people attack me on social media, I could care less. You come after my kids or my husband, yeah, I yeah. want to kill you. Yeah, no, it's so, a, so it's a, it's hmm. a different type of personality. And I don't like to be combative, just to be combative. Hmm. So uh, there's a lot of people on social media, they, they'll take everybody emotional hostage with their arguments. I don't do that. And if people even say things, I usually don't hmm. get involved with them on their thread. I let them stay, Yeah. but I don't like have this back and forth with them. So, you know, I... I think that there's like 10 or 15 years ago, I would have said, uh, I'm completely complimentary. Hmm. I would have been, I absolutely should not have any voice. I don't, because I didn't like the egalitarian and I felt right. more comfortable with the complimentarian, especially as a mother of boys. Yeah. So when God started to push me into a different world, uh, actually the Hillsong world, mm -hmm. I started to see it could be done right, right. That you could give women voice and it was never at the expense of men. Right. That they would honor one another, that it was more of a Genesis mandate of the male and the female together and mm -hmm. dominion. And they were taking their voice and authority on behalf of others rather than saying, I deserve a right. I should be in the pulpit. None of that striving was there. Mm -hmm. And I saw something done so beautifully where Brian Houston was celebrating a Darlene check and mm -hmm. his wife, Bobby Houston, and Bobby and Darlene were honoring and celebrating what was on Brian. And so I watched this happen. I hadn't seen it modeled mm. in the US. Yeah. And so I remember thinking, well, wait a minute, what's going on? It, I, what do you guys think? And right. they said, we just take it back to Genesis, mm -hmm. that in the beginning, God made us male and female, right. and that male and female were always better together. Yeah. And so I mean for me that that kind of changed everything, but I don't buy into the anger part. Right. Because the men are not my problem, nor are they my answer. God is my answer. Yeah. So I will not blame. Yeah, I don't so think that's the necessary... Where do you fall on the whole feminist movement? Because I mean you're a strong feminine. Yeah. yeah so I female. Yeah, I am. Wrong. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like that that word doesn't work. Yeah. Um so true feminism. Mm-hmm. You know, equal pay, equal work, yes, that yeah. just makes sense. Mm -hmm. But it seems like feminism has actually evolved to a very different animal where if I want to be powerful as a woman, I need to act like a man, do everything he does, and beat him right. at his game. Mm -hmm. I need to deny my nurture, deny my intuition. I need to go into the workplace and be one of the guys. That is actually, to me, very anti-female, because if your goal is to act like a man as a woman, then you are anti-female. Mm -hmm. So I think some feminists right now are very anti-female, and they're saying they're pro-female, but they're actually 
undermining the core things that make a woman a woman. Right. So I believe in empowering women to be women. Mm-hmm. And that was when I wrote the book, Fight Like a Girl. I went through the whole dynamic of every single woman in the Bible. What did she do? And it was interesting. Almost every one of them made an exchange. Like you look mm-hmm. at Rahab. What did right. she do? Mm-hmm. She exchanged the fear of judgment for the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you look at all these different women who have gone through hard things and they make an exchange. And I discovered there's only one difference between foolish and wise women. Foolish women hold on to the things they should let go of and let go of the things they Mm. should hold on to. And wise women know what to hold on to. You look at Abigail, you look at all (laughs) these different dynamics. I mean, look at Abigail's one of my favorite people. Me too. How she she goes to David and she says, let me whisper in your ear year yeah that doesn't happen anymore they're like let me out you on social media let me call all of you out i wonder what would happen if we could actually have face-to-face conversations and somebody says basically this is beneath you Mm -hmm. there is a prophecy over your life david and you are picking up a sword and you are going to attack somebody who is beneath your notice Mm -hmm. you know i I love those kind of wise women who happen to be her husband (laughs) yeah happen to be nabal (laughs) doesn't that mean fool it means fool yeah yeah Yeah, she said he's like his name yeah and i just love that but then she's kind of edgy and she's like and when you come into your royal position remember me i mean that's just kind of this ask but i think the women right now are not drawing on wisdom they're drawing on offense they're drawing on my rights my this my that you're my problem i'm gonna you know and and i'm so thankful that me too has given some women valid voice that needed to find their voice but we are not supposed to all be angry at all men because right. not all men are guilty. And, you know, I was sexually assaulted shortly after I became a Christian. Oh, I'm sorry. And, no, it's all right. I'm, well, it's not all right. But I went to women mm-hmm. and they told me it was my fault. Uh, I went to a man who is now my husband, but he okay. was just my friend at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who actually broke the shame off of me and said, this was not your fault. Oh, this was the other him. person. So I think that it's wrong to say the men are always going to close ranks and shame the women. Yeah. yeah. I think that the, the danger for all of us is that we, we we create theology based upon our experience with people rather than our experience with the Word of God. And so that's my concern is, I think that the scales have been tilted you know, in favor of men overwhelmingly. But when I hear th- uh, things like Ruth Gator G- Ginsburg's asked, you know, how many women do you want to see on the Supreme Court? And she says nine. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not healthy. No, I'm like, that's that's not healthy. Now, do I, I want to see women on the Supreme Court? Absolutely. And I think that that is extraordinarily important, but we don't want to recreate the problem we yeah. had before in the other direction. And, and I think that's what's so wrong with culture is cultural you know, reacts to woundedness where, where, where God leads us through healing in that. And, it, and it's only the gospel that can lead to that. And, um, you know, I, I, I preached a sermon, we did a series on the Ten Commandments and on, on the sermon on honor your father and mother, I talked about when one gender wins, we both lose and we, we need both. But I really shamed the term toxic masculinity and actually really hurt one of my friends who actually reminds me a lot of you, a mm. strong woman, eight on the Enneagram, very, very smart, but it, it really wounded her. And we had, we had to go to coffee and talk about that because she'd been hurt by men. Mm-hmm. And um, and I it, it broke my heart just what she'd experienced and what she went through. But I don't want to shame 
masculinity for this moronic male behavior. And I think that that's what we need to to talk about. And just so you know, in our church, we've had uh, two sexual crimes that I'm aware of that we've had to prosecute, and both were women mm. that used their power and their position to molest kids. Mm. So, so, so the issue I think oftentimes we divide is male or female. It's it's power. It's who's in a position of power and can exert themselves to hurt <laughs> to hurt and wound somebody. And um, I, and so I just am really opposed to the term, the general term, toxic masculinity. And I worry about the world my son is growing up in, and I don't want him to be ashamed to be male. And so I'm trying to encourage him to be masculine, and I don't want that word you know, drug through the mud. At the same point, I want women to be heard. I want them to have a voice. I don't want women to be wounded. And I, you know, I, I value them and I, I value strong women and I, and I value that, but not at the expense of the word of God. And that's where I, I have to draw the line because we have to be so careful in particular, our female audience in a desire to be treated as equal, which is a good desire, we can push the word of God away, which is a bad thing. And so we, we just have to understand that the enemy is always at work. E- even in when we're, we're marching for righteousness, you know, you think about guys like um, Dr. Uh, Reverend Martin Luther King, you know, that's saying we need to be peaceful. There were so many voices to abandon peacefulness and to take up arms. And, and just think about what would have happened in our country had he not held to his convictions. He wasn't a perfect guy, um, but he was one of the greatest social justice warriors in in our, in the in the world. I mean, he's up there with Gandhi and, and other individuals that are just so incredible. And so, I just want to make sure that we don't demean masculinity, but we demean behavior, and we say these things are off limits. And I don't know if you know this, but I have a whole talk that I give on this, and most people don't know this. But by the age of eighth grade, eighty percent of girls in America are at grade level. What do you think the percentage of boys is? I think it's lower. It's 20%. That's terrible. So, listen to this. A boy who's tw- at 20% a grade level in, in junior high, what do you th- how successful are they going to be in high school? They're not going to make it. So, a boy is more likely to drop out. A boy is more likely to give up. And a boy is more, boy is more likely to act out when they don't understand. And so, what we're re- rewarding in our culture is feminine behavior in the classroom. Girls are better at sitting, paying attention, and learning through the texts. And my son, I love him. He hates school. And it drives me crazy because I'm like, dude, we're, we're growing your mind every day. And, and they're not doing anything to reach him, to connect with him. And it just, it breaks my heart. And, you know, um, there's been a lot of talk about suicide. And um, unfortunately, we give, not unfortunately, it. I don't know how to say this, but we, we pay a lot of attention to girls who take their lives, which is tragic. Boys are four times more likely to commit suicide than girls. And when you do the research, the reason is research is funded. There's no funding for boys. There's funding for girls. And so that's the thing. And so like just simple things like, um, you know, there are seven federal institutions for women's health. Did you know that men have more diseases, die younger? I mean, and, and lead in every category. Like 10 years earlier yeah, than women. zero federal departments for men's mm-hmm. health. And it's just because we just, w- w- what are we saying about our boys? And so I just want to make sure that we value them, that we care for them. And ultimately what's happening to our women when they're looking, uh, and the vast majority of women are heterosexual. I don't care what the Netflix says. The overwhelming majority of women and men are heterosexual, which means they want someone of the opposite sex who is a qualified spouse. And girls are growing up and there's no guys. 
and these guys, you know, are stressed out because they're working eight hours at Starbucks, you know, and you're like, man. So I just want to make sure that, that we build that up and that we affirm masculinity. And that's the thing that's amazing to me is you and John are, are both powerful people, but you've managed to figure it out. You've been married 33 years? 37. 37 years. That's incredible. And and that's my hope for Tammy and I. I want to be married once. That's my prayer. I want to go through that. But um, part of that's just, you know, Tammy and I's tension is figuring out, okay, I'm a man and what that means and figuring out, okay, she's a woman and what does that mean? And we are different. And God has made the marriage uh, to be diverse. We're different, right. and that's important. So It's our differences that make us one. Yeah. You know, this may sound a little raw, because um, it's still kind of formulating okay. in me, but I went away in January to write, and I was super excited. I had a hotel room. I could have room service. Ooh, I could nice. sit down and write, mm-hmm. and I hit a wall. And I called John, and I said, I'm finally alone, and I can write. And I've hit a wall. And John said, well, you know, close your laptop walk away from it Mm. you're either going the wrong direction or you know just you just need to shut down so i shut down and i just felt drawn to read the original cinderella which there's like Mm. a thousand versions of it so i just started to read it it's french and as soon as i started reading matt i heard it is not the princess at risk anymore it's the prince that needs rescuing Mm. and he said look at what cinderella had she had a glass slipper and he said the women of this generation are stomping their feet and shattering what elevates them Mm. all the tenderness all the intuition all the nurture these are all things that lift women Mm. we're shattering it and uh, so i called my office and i said give me all of the information that you have on men and they gave me these stats that you're saying to me and how they're trapped in a virtual reality because their actual reality offers them nothing. And so, the women have forgotten that they have voice to do good, Mm -hmm. not to point out bad, that they have voice to multiply what is in the man. And when I multiply what is in the man, it multiplies what is in me. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus Jesus came through the womb of a woman. Think about all the abortion right right now. And we were healed by the wounds of a man. Mm-hmm. And we've got this wounding and womb issue yeah. right now. It's so obvious to me that it's demonic and divisive. And Satan's not stupid. He knows houses divided fall. So he right. divides the races, divides the ages, divides the genders, divides the socioeconomic mm-hmm. things. And we cannot get a healing from one another. We can only get it from God. Yeah, And I think women are trying to get men to give them the blessing that only God can give right. them, and men are trying to give get the woman mm. to do that for them. And so, somebody has to say enough on the wrestling, and I think that's what Jesus did when he said there's neither male nor female yeah. in Christ. Yeah, it's so interesting, you know. Um, were any of your boys into video, video games? I didn't let them. Yeah, no, we, yeah. Sh- we, we should have not done that. Yeah. And, and one of the things is, you know, my son retreats to video games, and it drives me crazy. But I think we're losing men to a, a, a false reality because in that reality, they get to be violent. They get to be men. They get to be in charge. They're mm-hmm. powerful. They're in control. They get weapons. They get yeah. weapons. They've done Zelda <clears throat> a little bit now that they're yeah. adults. Yeah. But because they didn't develop that long-term appetite, they'll do like 15 minutes yeah. and then come up. But my boys are super disciplined. Yeah, I can't stand video games. But I think men dive into that because... It's the only place left on earth where they can be who God made them to be, and it's so sad. And and now, you know, with, uh, you know, virtual porn, uh, pornography, and all of this stuff, I mean, they don't even have to go outside. And it's like, 
you know, God, we need to look at what's happening. And, you know, we can say video games are bad, but we need to also look and say, okay, why? what is it that's drawing them into that world? Yeah, versus, why do they need to escape? Yeah, versus the real world where we, we need them to be and we need them to function. And, uh, I mean, I just told our church, God help us if we ever go to war. Because we've got a bunch of lieutenant lattes. You know, I mean, we're done. We're, I mean, once, I mean, we still have an elite force, but once they're out, what are we going to do? I mean, it's just really, really bad. Uh, you know, we're going to have guys, oh, I can't fight today. The pollen count's too high. You know, you're like, oh, man, we're in trouble. All right. Well, so, by the grace of God, I raised manly men. Yeah. You know, but we did things like we're going to put extra pad on our carpet so they can wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. let them do physical things. Yeah. So. No, that's, that's good, good, good. All right. So, we dealt with that. Okay, next. Um, and because you are sons, um, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Talk to me uh, just about God being father because now we know God is spirit. So mm-hmm. God is not a male. He's not a man, but we are to call him father. That's one of the things that's under attack today, uh, worshiping God as mother. H- how, do you, how do you deal with, with that issue of just of calling God father and, and how has that been important to you in your life? Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely a move towards the feminine divine. I remember when I wrote Lioness Arising, I was very concerned that if the church didn't give women their correct position right. of honor, that women would go outside of the church and start worshiping turtles yeah. and in the trees and calling themselves goddesses. And unfortunately, that's happened. And mm. they think it's a spiritual thing. But I searched the scripture, and even though God says in Numbers, I am not a man that I should lie, right. every single thing about God is masculine. Mm-hmm. He is a father. He is a bridegroom. He is a husband to Israel. So, he's very decidedly masculine, which is probably why you and I both react to the toxic masculinity. We're like, wait a minute, masculinity is a attribute of a father God. So, we don't want to do that kind of uh, donation on that. So, yeah, so I have never actually had a problem with calling God my father. Do you believe that diminishes you at all as a woman? Why is no. that? Well, because I know he loves me as a daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't think that God loves sons more and daughters less. And I've actually seen what's happened with my sons once they had daughters. Mm-hmm. They totally change. There's something new that wakes up in them that is nurturing and protective. And you watch a father with his daughter, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. And there's a connection with a mother and a son that's unique. So when I see the way my boys are like, so we've got, you know, I've got two two granddaughters and there's Sophia who's who's pretty, pretty uh, you know, she's a pleaser. She yeah. wants everybody to be happy. She wants to do well at school. There's Lizzie who could just really care less right. about everything. <clears throat> and she's in her own little world. And she's strong. She's sweet. She's tender, but she's yeah. strong. And Addison's like, she, I just love that she's wired for now. And he doesn't think, oh, she's rebellious because she's strong. He's like, I celebrate her strength. So I don't have a problem with God the Father. I feel like my Father is the one who releases the blessing over my life Mm. and the strength over my life. And in my life, everybody has a different story. I have been wounded by women. Mm. I've been hurt by men, but I've been wounded Mm. by women because I let my heart go open to them. And they wounded, they betrayed me. And I think some of that is because we have unhealthy things in place. Men will compete to drive one another higher, but women will compete to eliminate each other. Yeah. 
And right now, they're competing to eliminate the men. And so, again, we need to we need to change how we lead. We need to understand that leading is for lifting others. It's for building <clears throat> cultures for everybody to flourish. But no, I never had that. I never felt devalued by that. Yeah. I always felt honored by that. Yeah, that's great. And just so, um, hopefully I'll cover this when we get to this in the uh, the sermon, but God help me if I forget. But he calls us all sons, mm-hmm. and that's because theolog- I'm in Christ. Yeah, and that's theologically important because the son in the ancient world had the value. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying is, as daughters, he sees you as a son. He sees you in the same way that he sees me. He loves you in the same way that he loves me. And with God, there are no favorites. I mean, that's just Paul is, you know, think about the destructiveness of a parent who loves one child more than the other, and God is not that way. Uh, he's a loving father, and that's what I love about the prodigal son is he loves both the idiot that went away. And the faithful son who's a little frustrated and doesn't want to go to the party. And I love that verse. He says, son, everything I have is yours. Yeah, always has please, been. Please come with me. You know, and uh, that's just so great. All right. Galatians 5. Oh, my gosh. So, you told me yes. last night that this verse spoke to you. So, let me read it to you. Um, I love, man, I love Galatians 5. It's yeah. actually one of the places where the vision of real with self comes from. Mm. And uh, because this is written to believers, mm-hmm. and he's challenging believers who are still struggling with sin, and we, we I don't know when this is going to come out, but hopefully we'll be in Galatians 5 by that time. We might not be. But it's just literally the internal battle. But you said... Um, Galatians 5.16. Okay, 5.16. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, then I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. But then you talked about specifically... Uh, 20, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy. Here we go. Outbursts of anger. That was kind of your issue. Ridiculous outbursts of anger. My husband would say the animals were afraid in the neighborhood. <laughs> like, and, and I didn't know what was going on, Matt. I would... I would have I would feel like a volcano inside of me hmm. and I would just go off and I would say, You know why I'm mad. And John would be like, I don't know yeah. why you're mad. And I actually wanted him to tell me there was just this anger inside of me and anything could just set me off. And I remember, this is kind of funny, kind of embarrassing. Uh, I remember I was storming through the house. We had just moved and you know, I got a lot done when I was mad because I'd like moved yeah, through yeah. the house really fast. And I went into the laundry room and I threw some stuff in the dryer and I slammed the dryer door. And my husband, who had seen me break a window and dent a refrigerator the year before, picked me up and put me in the garage. He said, you need to calm down. When you have calmed down, I'm going to let you back in. Well, putting me in the garage had the exact opposite opposite effect of calming me down. And so, he, you know, he just locked the door, calmed down. We had just moved into our new house. And at first, I thought, okay, I'll just just organize everything in the garage. I'm going to stay out here so long. He's going to come out looking for me. Well, he didn't come. So, then... I started getting mad, and I thought, what if every time I get upset, he puts me in the garage? This is going to be a bad pattern. So, I thought, I'm going to find something, and I'm going to break it. And that will tell John, you don't mess with this woman. You don't put her in the garage. And I'm looking through all these boxes, and I I really can't find anything that I want to break. And then I thought, well, if I break it, he's just going to throw it away. So, I picked up a hammer, and I hit the grill lid put a big dent in the lid of the grill. And I thought to myself, every time John goes to grill, he's going to be like, I'm not messing with that woman. She is, she's bad. You know, and so I knocked on the door and I said, I'm ready to come in. I showed him the grill and I said, this is what I did. And he said, I don't know what it's going to take 
for you to get a grip on your anger. And I said, you shouldn't have pushed me. You shouldn't have put me in the garage. I always made it about somebody else. Hmm. Then I had my second child. And the truth is, one child is an accessory. You take them out, you dress them up, they behave well. It's a trick to get you to have more children. Yeah. I remember when I had my second son, I was like, I will never brush my teeth before noon again. Yeah. My life is over. Yeah. And John would go, he'd take the only car, go to church, work, come back, and I would be standing there with a spank spoon in my hand, a baby in my arms, my nursing flaps down, the house in dis- disarray. And he'd be like, what did you do all day? And I'd say, I don't know. People are calling saying they're going to commit suicide, and I'm offering to join them. John, do not ask me that question again. I just was beginning to snap because my firstborn, who had been like this model child, put him down for a nap, he'd go right to sleep. Now he thought he was missing something. If he went to sleep... I might be doing something with the baby right. and everything had to be equal, yeah. it had to be fair. And so he kept coming off his bed yeah. and I no longer saw him as a child. I saw him as the enemy. This yeah. is the one keeping me from getting anything done. This is the one keeping me from, fl- I flunked the yeah. test. So he came down the stairs, Matt, and I came running up to meet him. And I thought, I don't know what I need to do to make him stay on the bed. And I walked into the bedroom and I had him in my arms and I was just getting ready to slam him into the wall and put him down in the bed. And I thought, that's the way he'll know hmm. when I saw something I had never seen before. Hmm. Addison was not scared of what I was going to do. He had no idea what I was going to do. He was scared of me. Hmm. And when I saw the fear in my son's eyes, I remembered my own growing up, hmm. where I was physically, emotionally, verbally, con- constantly abused by my mother. And hmm. I would say, I will. Never Never, treat my kids this way. Mm. And here I was, a born-again pastor's wife, getting ready to hurt my son. Mm. And I saw it, and I put him down, and I said, I'm so sorry, I scared you. And I went downstairs, and I just wept like Mm. a baby. You know when you've cried until like there's nothing left? Mm. It's like a storm just rolls over you. And in the stillness, I heard God say, because you're no longer justifying this. I'll take this out of your oh, life. That's so good. And he said, what you justify, <clears throat> you buy. Mm-hmm. You say, I've earned the right to be this way because of what's been done to me. I opened up my Bible to Galatians 5, starting all the way into, it is for freedom that Christ mm-hmm. has set me free. Mm-hmm. And I called my mom that day and I said, mom, I am so sorry. I never forgave you for, and I cited an incident and she started to cry and she said, that is the one thing I've never been able to forgive myself for because the sins we retain, they're retained. And the things we don't forgive, we repeat. Mm. It may not look exactly the same. So Galatians ended up being actually my scripture where I actually started preaching. You know, I I would try to study some stuff out to try to impress people like, hey, who's ever seen this scripture in Obadiah? And God's like, you know, I'm not impressed with you finding some random scripture. Mm. I want you to preach the word that's been made flesh in your life. I want you to tell them what I did in your life when you repented of blaming. Because see, anger is a symptom of a deeper root of unbelief. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I started to preach on that. But, you know, I didn't, you know, one thing, and I'm not trying to be mean, it hadn't been a week. Hmm. I didn't go, oh, this happened a week ago. It had been years when I actually started to speak about what God had done in my life. And I think sometimes we do people a disservice. We don't allow Mm -hmm. what God is doing to actually have a full expression in their life. Hmm. 
I came home, my husband came home that day, and I said to him, I almost slammed Addison into the wall. Why did I tell him? I didn't do it. Why did I tell him? Mm. Because the Bible says you confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. And I needed accountability. And I laid in bed every morning and I would say, I'm going to be slow to speak, quick to listen, Mm. slow to wrath. God put a watch over my mouth and just took it one minute at a time. So Galatians was Mm. really the beginning of why. And I never wanted to be known for being thrown in the garage. I never wanted to be known for somebody who almost hurt their kids. But this was a transformative scripture in my life. It oh, came alive. I love it. I love it. And uh, and I know you talked about um, just down in um, 21, and those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, that we're going to have people listening and, you know, victimhood is something that is culturally acceptable in our society. And we do great evil to others when we've given ourselves permission because we're a victim. And one of the first things that we have to recognize as Christians is if I'm going to heal, I have to take responsibility for me. Yeah. I, I have to extend forgiveness. It's freeing. Yeah, to the person who's wounded me. But if I remain a victim, I cannot be a victor in Christ. And so I have to, and like you said, you know, my mom did this to me, so now I'm doing it to my kid. And we carry on those sins from one generation to the next until we deal with them and we nail them to the cross. And, you know, we're so quick to see um, others, but what what the Holy Spirit allowed you to do was allowed allowed you to see your sin through the eyes of someone you love, your yeah. son. Yeah. And, and um, you Excuses know. Excuses never... Oh. Set anybody free, oh. you know. And this is something. And, and that's so I hope good. I'm going to say that excuses <laughs> never set anybody free. Yeah. And this is what God said to me. He said, "Lisa," because I kept saying, "Well, why did I do this? Well, why this? Why that?" And and He said, "You can spend your whole life figuring out why you're messed up, and you will still be messed up once you know why." Mm. He said, "Knowing why will not set you free. Mm. Knowing the truth." will set yeah. you free. Mm-hmm. And there's scriptures like this that press hard on our heart, envy, fits of rage. Yeah. You know, there's there's usually something for somebody in that list. And for me, you know, I tried to say, oh, I must be under spiritual attack. That's why I'm having, you know, like a fit of rage. Or, yeah. oh, I'm getting ready to start my period. I had a list of excuses. I'm half Italian. I'm passionate. Right. Oh, this is just my package. But God was like, no, no, I sent my son that you would be transformed. Mm. You are. You need to walk into the newness of life. You need to take everything that my son's death provided for you. It wasn't just that you escape hell when mm-hmm. you die. It's about transformation now. It's about freedom now. Amen. And I think too many people just don't lean into that. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Yeah. All right, so uh, one of the most overlooked verses in Galatians 5, and it's one of my favorite one, is so the sins of the flesh are obvious. Most people know that, that, that the fruits of the Spirit, what they are. Mm-hmm. But then in verse 26, I think it's one of the most overlooked uh, weapons of the enemy. He says, we must not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. And I call these the sins of Christians. These are the, these are the ones that... Instagram sins. Yeah, oh man. <laughs> 
So we must not become conceited. And and that's what I see with Christians is I know better. You know, Sandals is attacked all the time by these super Christian churches in their bunker. You know, there, there's two types of churches that attack Sandals. You know, the ones that are in their bunker down below. And they're, they're you know, their job is to correct every church around them rather than winning by Christ. And the other church, right, it's the Golden Gate Bridge with a rainbow flag. Everybody come in, you know, we're not going to talk about sin. And Sandals isn't either of those churches. We want to preach the word of God. We want to follow God. And we want to reach people. Um, everybody's welcome. Yes, everybody's welcome, but we're all going to be called exactly. to repentance. And right. so, um, you know, people ask us, well, are you open and affirming? I say, we're open, but we're not affirming. And that's that's to any sin. We're open to sinners. We'll affirm Scripture. Yeah. Yes, amen. Yes. So, how have you navigated that? Because that's one of the things I love about you is you're clear. You're bold. You're clear. Uh, you're not conceited. I love that about you. Uh, I've met Christian celebrities, as I'm sure you've had, and I'm just so wish I never would have met them. I'm like, oh, that was a bummer, you know? Because yeah, I liked you better before in the book. I knew you. Oh, I like the book. You know, why can't you be the book? And 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 there's probably people that have experienced me that way, even though I don't have a book. Um, but how have you not become conceited? Because you're pretty humble for a very successful person. Well, first and foremost, I live with me, okay. so <laughs> I know my I know my failings, right? And I know my strengths. And I live with an Enneagram One, which is basically living with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, um, see that? Yeah, my wife's laughing. Yeah, so, John is up. I've told Tammy, you day. are not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. John is up every day at 5 a.m. Okay. reading his Bible for two hours. I tumble out of bed at 6.15, and I go straight for the espresso machine. Yeah, I'm John, with you, yeah. it, John is a Christian. I mean, he's already encountered God and everything. So I am so aware of my weaknesses and yeah. my failings. And I also had an opportunity to serve. And I think a lot of times people don't understand that serving is crucial. Mm-hmm. So Saul never had a wilderness. Saul never served anybody. He was insecure and conceited. And usually conceit comes from a place of insecurity Mm -hmm. as well. So John and I, we would pick up guest speakers at the church we were at, and we would see these really horrible people in the car, and then they'd get on the stage, and we'd be like, who's that person? And it was very confusing to us. And so we said, all right. We don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So, what are we going to do? Well, we have to be other minded, right? Right. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. I've had some things in my life that have been humbling. I have one eye. I have four boys. I have a husband. <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot of things that have just yeah. worked that out yeah, yeah. in my life. Yeah. And I have had friends that I've intentionally said, "You have the right to take on a kneecap if I start acting this way." Mm. And um, you know, I know that you you mentioned that you went to counseling. We have a board that really does not care about our performance. They care about us. They make us go to counseling every single year. They talk to the counselor and like, what's really going on with Mm. them? They get in our face. They talk to our boys. Mm. And we have the hard conversations. And and I just think that not everybody has an organic relationship like that. You know, I've been under some leaders that have really messed up. Yeah. uh. And when they messed up, I realized they had no one in their life to talk to them. Yeah, people were actually happy when they failed. Yeah, didn't want to prevent it, and I wanted people in my life that would help mm. me prevent it. Did you know that Ark Association of Related Churches was actually started out of the falling of your pastor? I do. Yeah, so yeah. that was one of the things that was really powerful to me is um, when they went to help your pastor. He said, "Who are the friends we need to call?" And there was no one. That broke 
my yeah. heart. And so, Association of Related Churches, I'm actually speaking at their conference They're in great. September. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. Um, we must not become conceited. We must not provoke one another. And I think that that's just not looking for the faults in it. Like, like, and I just see Christians doing this, looking for where you're wrong. And I think you're really good at, at taking the high road and, and focusing on what you're for rather than what you're against. How have you done that? Well, it's a stronger position. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't do well when people attack me. Okay. So I do better when people tell me how to do right than tell me where I'm wrong. And I don't like that the church is more known for what she's against and what she's for. And this is the great thing of traveling commercially all the time. I talk to people on the plane and I never tell them I'm a Christian at the beginning of the flight. Unless they tell me they're a Christian. Yeah. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to ask them questions. They're going to ask me what I do. Yeah, yeah. I'll say, oh, I talk on gender. Oh, you talk yeah. on gender. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I don't say. Yeah. And then as soon as they find out I'm a minister, I get to hear their pain, their questions, mm. and usually the first thing they do are, so you're anti-gay. Oh, you're anti-abortion. Oh, you're anti. And I'm like, I'm for life. Yeah. Amen. I'm for I'm for hope. I'm yeah. for this. And, you know, I just don't like it that we have the big answer and everybody makes us limited to the small questions. Oh, I agree. And so I just I just refuse to get caught up with that. But I do think accountability is a huge thing. Mm. You know, and and we had a desperate need for community because we had seen our leaders that didn't yeah. have community. And you can find it. It's just Sometimes it's inconvenient. Like yeah. we go places to have account. You mentioned our, uh, my youngest son just went to one of their round tables, and it's because they want community. Yeah, and it's it's just important. Yeah, and I would say specifically to our listeners, you need community who tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Exactly. And a lot of leaders they're getting groups with fans who don't confront them rather than people that will challenge, lovingly challenge them. And um, all right, we're running out of time, but I just wanted to say real quickly, envying one another, that's been a big sin in my life of mm. envying um, people who've advanced beyond me and done better than me. And uh, I'm so grateful, Tammy and I were talking about this, that we haven't been more famous because we weren't ready. Like we were talking about an it's argument. It's actually kind of good to go under the radar. Oh, yes. It, I think John and I are kind of under the radar. I mm. actually feel like I get to get more stuff oh, okay. done. Yeah than I would if I was always having to answer to a public. Yeah. You know, I, and, and this is just a question the Holy Spirit put on my heart uh, a couple of years ago, because I, you know, you're, you're talking about standing for truth. Amen. And I knew that when I wrote Adamant, I was going to put some pretty strong things, stakes in the ground. Had a lot of friends cheering me from the sidelines who were refusing to say the same thing. Yeah. Even though they thought it and would say it in the green room, they didn't want to compromise their popularity right. by saying it in print. So I had the Holy Spirit say to me, Lisa, do you want to be popular mm -hmm. or do you want to be influential? Mm -hmm. And I said, I want to be influential. Yeah. And he said, look up the meanings of the words. Yeah. And the word popular means common. Mm. And the word influential means powerful. Mm. And so sometimes you have to be under the radar right so you can be influential it's mm -hmm. hard to be both popular and influential at the oh, same time and maintain it all right two questions left um and this one um this is going to be awkward for me to preach on but we are uh the one who has taught the message must share all his good things with the teacher uh don't be deceived god is not mocked for whatever a man sows he will also reap uh, because the one who sows in his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh, but the one who sows the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. 
just talk about your, just your heart, um, you know, for Christians to give. Like Tammy and I, we just met with some of our missionaries from India, and mm-hmm. they're struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it's a, it's it's a dark place. We love India. It, we have listeners in India. We love India, but it's a dark place. It's spiritually dark. It is. There's a lot of corruption among Christians, oh, unfortunately, in India. Yeah, it's it's, a, and so we just have we have just wounded people coming back from the mission field. And one of the things that 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 really grieved my heart is we just need more people to get on board with giving and being generous. And what's happening at Sandals, and I'm going to talk about this, is so we just went through a $10 million campaign where we raised $10 million. Here's what typically happens. You have you know people like Tammy and I who already tithe. So we figure out what are, what are we going to give over and above to build a new building, and we already support five missionaries in our church. We need to move past a small group of people that always sacrifice to getting everybody on board. What would you just say to our church who hasn't haven't yet, they listen to the debrief, they come to church, they just don't trust God with their money. And, and Paul just addresses it right there. And I don't think a lot of people think about Galatians talking about money, but he ends oh, with that. very much so. so. So, what are your thoughts on that? You know, um, I had a very crucial life lesson very early on. John and I were traveling and speaking. We were super poor. I became pregnant with Alec. You would have thought John was not involved in it. He was very upset with me. Like, how could you have done this to us? We don't have insurance. And I'm yeah. like, I don't, I'm so sorry. And I was at a church. We were incredibly challenged and someone gave me a hundred dollar bill oh. and matt i like was like oh my gosh it was like ten thousand dollars yeah. i sit down in the service john's going to preach but there's a missionary that gets up ahead of him and this missionary is from haiti and i have this horrible feeling that god is telling me i have to give the hundred dollar bill that i just got given to this missionary and i'm getting mad i'm like no 10 yeah, 10 yeah, it's yeah, a tithe yeah, it's 10 10 yeah. i need this money mm-hmm. i need this money to pay for my baby and i heard the holy spirit say you will not be able to pay to have that baby with that hundred dollars but the seed of that hundred dollars will pay for your baby give it to the missionary, give it to who can never give it back to you. So I sewed that $100, came back from that trip, had a message on my answering machine, a voice message from James Robeson saying, we're coming to Orlando. We hear you're a makeup artist. Can you? Can we hire you for $275 a day? Then I took the money from that and I invested in the stock market, hmm. five-folded it, and made all the money I needed to pay to have Alexander. So I wow. told him, I paid for you. Um, but you know what? That didn't stop there. Then years went past, and when they had to transport the 80 from Haiti, we actually financed that. Mm. Our organization transported all the 80s from Haiti, and I felt like that seed that I had sown there was continued to grow, because when you sow a seed, the seed will leave your hand, but it will never leave mm. your life. Yeah. And we don't understand. It's like a mystery. I sow in obedience. I don't have to figure out, well, is a pastor going to do everything I want him to do yeah. with that? Is this going to... I give according to the Spirit of God, and then God takes it, breaks it, multiplies it, and I am rewarded by my obedience. You know, And so, I think right now, people are scared to give. What about preachers and sneakers? What oh, about yeah. this? They make it sound like people are taking it out of the offering. Yeah. Are those 50 cool? bucks. Awesome. Yeah, vans. I have flip-flops on. Yeah. So, I mean, but those kind of things, that's, if I give to that church and I truly give, what I've sown is blessed by God. Mm -hmm. What people do with that, that's between them and God. So, I have never found I've regretted anything I've sown. Now, I've purchased some things at Marshall's on sale that I've regretted, but I have never regretted giving to the house of God, to the widow, the orphan, or the poor. And the Bible says the world of the generous gets larger 
and larger. Mm-hmm. Every time we have sown, we have seen God enlarge our world. And so people need to understand the kingdom of God is countercultural. We give and we receive more, mm-hmm. but we don't give to get. We give because generosity is the nature of our Father. Right. And so we model His honor by honoring what He honors, which is the widow, the orphan, and the mm-hmm. poor. Yeah, my heart for our church is that we get to the place where we never have to do a giving campaign again, that, that people are so moved by God, and when everybody's sowing, it just takes over. Um, I mean, but, that's what happened. Yeah. They had to say, stop bringing your offerings. Oh. You know, I mean, that was at the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Stop bringing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. We we do something once a year called Messenger Cup, mm-hmm. and we have seen a spirit of generosity come on people that is so beautiful. Um, I believe that that's God's heart yeah. is that people would give give mm-hmm. to people they'll never meet the side of eternity. Give to mm-hmm. those who can never give them back. I believe that's God's heart, mm-hmm. as well as give to the church they can see. You mm-hmm. know, so I don't know. We're, it's a privilege. You pay your tithe, and you are honored to give offerings. Yeah, it's a privilege. All right, last question. Um, so we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. When, has there been, ever been a time where you considered giving up? Um, Absolutely. How did you press through that? Because there's probably a lot of people that are like, man, I'm, I'm, try- I'm, t- I'm just done. I'm done with this Christian life. I'm done with this church thing. I'm just going to go my own way. How, how have, you know, when have you pushed through and how has it been just a blessing in your life i never wanted to give up the christian life because i realized there was no life outside of it Mm -hmm. i'd already done all the other things but i will say i think it was about it was in 2015 i found myself super tired Mm -hmm. and you know i'm i was 55 and i was watching all these young girls come up and they they so wanted the platform i had you know they wanted to be at color they wanted to mm. be at all these different things and in in the back of my head i thought you know what i think i'm going to exit quietly i'm tired mm. i had just gone from australia and then i went home then i went to new zealand and i was like that was so stupid and it's june and i'm stuck in my basement writing a book and i thought this is crazy these girls all want this i'm going to just exit i don't want to be a 60 year old woman in a halter you know who did yeah. not have anybody say you shouldn't be wearing that anymore <laughs> and so i was like god what do i do and i just thought it in my head that's all i did and i was tired and I had somebody send me an email from Canada, young girl, I don't even know her name. And she said, the Holy Spirit dropped you on my heart and said that you're thinking about quitting. I want you to know there's a generation that needs you mm. to continue to mark pathways. And I was like, okay, it was just a thought. Then I had someone randomly reach out to me through social media and say, can someone give me her phone number? I have got to get to her. And they said, I hear you're thinking of taking off your camouflage. They said, you're not allowed to do that. You're a general. And so I finally said, all right, God, what are you saying? Hmm. And he said, this next generation will try to push you aside. Hmm. Let them push you up. He said, the path of the righteous winds ever higher. Hmm. It'll look different. So I think sometimes when we get weary in well-doing, it's because we don't understand the way we're doing well needs to change. Mm -hmm. But I also like the context of this scripture they always would attack at the time of harvest so they could take right. what was you know what had been laid up and labored for for other people so the enemy will always attack you with discouragement right before you're going into a new season and so i hmm. finished that manuscript sent it off and it ended up being the without rival one that actually ended up being my biggest book 
up fast yeah. that I'd ever done. But the enemy wanted to discourage me so that I would quit. And mm. so you have to encourage yourself in God and then understand it's not just about you. There's people behind you that need you to finish well. Hmm. Man, that's awesome. Uh, I said that was the last question, but I lied. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to. I told this gal on social media I would I would answer her question, and this is kind of a tough one. But um, she said, "I'm 18, and this is the last question." In April, I found out I was pregnant by a boy who was in jail. Um, it's not anything I'm proud of, but I decided to have an abortion. I want to know: Will Jesus forgive me? Will I be able to go to heaven, or am I going to hell? I'm struggling to forgive myself for my choice. I regret the entire situation. I just sinned upon sin. Wow! Huge. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a tough one to end with, but yeah, well, I, first, I promised her I would answer. Yeah, it. first Jesus will forgive her. Yeah, amen. I mean, there's not. I mean, there's none of us get what we deserve. We all deserve judgment, and mm -hmm. we get mercy. So mm -hmm. yes, Jesus totally forgives you, and you can't beat yourself up enough. You can't pay enough for this. You can't guilt yourself enough about it. You're just going to have to receive what you don't feel you deserve, which is forgiveness and mercy. And and then you come from that place. And I love that woman caught in adultery. You know, what does Jesus say to obviously guilty mm. women? Mm -hmm. He says, I do not condemn you. That's where our world stops. But they also says, go and sin no more. And so that overwhelming mercy empowers us with the grace to leave life in the shadow and go and sin no more. So get out of the despair, forgive yourself, forgive this young man, mm -hmm. and move forward and use what's on your life to redeem it so that other people that's what David did. He said, cleanse me and I'll be clean. Mm -hmm. And then he said, once I'm clean, I'm going to teach transgressors your way. Warn other people that you made a decision that you wish you hadn't and you can redeem it and, mm -hmm. and actually rescue other people that are either in guilt or prevent them from going the same direction. Yeah. Amen. I totally agree. And I would just add that you need to change your life, your friends. Otherwise, it's going to be a rerun. And yeah. um, one of the ways the devil lies to us is we would never do that again. If we don't change our lives, we find ourselves in the exact same position. And so I just would encourage you to change your life or you're going to find yourself in the same position. And so uh, I'll be praying for you. Jesus forgives you. Uh, you need to forgive yourself, but you need to change your life. And that's what repentance means. It doesn't just mean that we ask God for forgiveness. It means we make a change, a substantial change in our life, a change of direction. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being here. We love you. We appreciate you and John. Super glad to have you on the show. That's Hope true. you guys were blessed. And uh, the debrief will be coming back to you. And I'll be taking your questions from Galatians. Until next time, love you guys. God bless.